right. Shelby, welcome to the Evidently Legal Podcast. It's great to have you on today. Thank you, Brian. I'm so happy to be here, and I appreciate you inviting me to talk about uh, all things law. Great. Well, we're excited to, to get going. Um, you know, as you said, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the law and the type of work uh, you do as, as a trademark attorney and some of your clients. Uh, and then love to hear from you about, you know, launching your own firm, running your own firm and how you do things on the business side. Uh, but why don't we start maybe uh, with you telling us a little bit about you know, who you are and the type of law you practice? Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised in Wyoming, and I went to University of Wyoming for undergrad and for law school, so uh, kind of a lifetime Wyomingite. Um, and so uh, after I graduated from law school, I started practicing uh, guardian ad litem work for uh, juvenile cases. So I represented kids who'd been abused or neglected, um, kind of in the, um, in Wyoming, they call it DFS, Department of Family Services, but also uh, Child Protective Services. So I started out my career doing um, guardian ad litem work mainly. Eventually, I kind of fell into family law because it's kind of an easy area of law to pair with your uh, guardian ad litem um, work. So I did family law for um, uh, a couple of years. And then uh, I decided that uh, family law wasn't, wasn't for me. And I wanted to kind of go out on my own and uh, do my own, do my own thing. And so I started my uh, trademark law firm and it was April of 2020. So it's still fairly new, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so April of 2020, I mean, that that's right, right during the middle of sort of the, the height of COVID. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, what was it like mm -hmm. starting, starting your firm during, during that time period? Well, actually, it was um, not bad because my area of practice is uh, trademarks is very transactional and I don't have to go to court and it's very um, remote. So I, you know, I can meet with my clients, uh, you know, over Zoom, phone call. Um, I don't need to see them in person or I, I, don't, I don't go to court anymore. <laughs> So it wasn't really um, that big of a jump for me. So, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal for this area of practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost sort of a fortuitous time to uh, pivot into a practice area like that, like trademarks mm -hmm. were sort of met, met the times well in terms of, you know, everybody being uh, home and working from home and doing things remotely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my apologies, it was actually uh, 2021. I'm sorry. I was thinking 2020 is when I moved back to Laramie, where I am now. 2021 is when I started my own practice. Okay. Well, still, I mean, <laughs> still, still in the, the thick of COVID there as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Later. Yeah. Still, but, still, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, look, so, so that's, I mean, that's fascinating. So, you started in, in family law. Were you working on your, uh, for yourself in family law or working at a firm before you pivoted to trademark? Yes. So um, I worked at two different firms before I went out and started my own. 
Uh, the second one was I did primarily only fa family law, a little bit of, of workers comp, not much, um, and no guardian at light and work. I had completely pivoted out of it. And, you know, there was just one day where I was like, why am I working so hard for, for something that isn't mine? Um, you know, if I'm going to put in all this hard work and extra hours, it should be something that, um, that is mine and uh, a business of my own that I can build upon and, um, you know, do, do my own thing with. And, you know, I was not agreeing with how my boss at the time was, was running her office and, um, you know, tension was kind of starting to build and I knew I needed to leave. And so um, I decided I'm not going to try to find a job at another law firm uh, because I think the th same thing will happen. Um, I'll want to do things my way, but it's their, it's their business. And so if I want to do things my way, I need to have my own business. And so that's what I decided you know, the best route for me is to open my own firm. And so that's what I did. No, I love that. I mean, you bet on yourself to sort of take things forward in a, in a new direction. And, yes. you know, I think mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a lot of folks who are, are either moving in that direction or would like to move in that direction as well. Right. I mean, historically, as, as you know, right, it was, you either worked in a law firm or you didn't. Right. And so I think, mm -hmm. you know, now there, there are so many ways that you can start a firm, that you can run a firm, that you can support a firm without having to have the big law firm or even sort of smaller medium-sized law firm infrastructure around you, um, which, you know, presents sort of an interesting, you know, new wave of opportunities for people who want to either go out on their own earlier in their careers or take a different pathway towards practicing law. And so, you know, you, you yes. did that already. You're in the middle of it now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And just because, you know, I went out on my own and started my law firm doesn't mean that I did it alone. I think a lot of attorneys think, well, you know, I I can I, I can do this without help. But you you know, if you're going to be the most successful, you need help. And um, I you know, I asked fellow attorneys for help all the time. Um, you know, people in my trademark attorney network, in my Wyoming attorney network, just you know, practice area. Basics. I, you know, I frequently call um, in Wyoming. We have this um, called the Ethic Hotline, and we can basically call our bar, bar council and ask them any question that we have about ethics related, and they help you and they answer your question so that you know you can handle it before you get into hot water. And when you're on your own. You're not really on your own. And I think that's that maybe that's maybe what scares people about that is when you go out on your own, it's a mistake to kind of isolate yourself and think, I can handle all of this on my own. Like this is my business now. I should be able to figure this out. But you don't know everything. And the truth of the matter is in law school, they didn't teach you how to practice law and own a business. Uh, they just taught you how to think like a lawyer. And so if you're going to get all the tools that you need to have a successful business, you're going to have to get over your pride and, um, and develop a, you know, keep your love for learning and ask other people 
for help. And you'll find that most people are more than willing to give you some time um, and advice to help you succeed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so funny you say that about law school, right? I mean, it teaches you how to think like a lawyer, but, but really not a whole lot else in terms of practicing law or running your own business. You know, my always mm -hmm. two cents on law school is that, you know, it's three years now. It, the third year should really teach you how to practice law and run a business as opposed to kind of continuing with just, you know, learning how to think like a lawyer um, through various electives that you take. But um, yeah, I yeah. mean, look, it's a great point, right? That look, you, you know, you may be running your own firm, but there are a lot of places where you can get support and help and access to resources out there that can really help you along your journey, which it sounds like, you know, you've been doing uh, right from the get go. You know, yeah. I, I love to talk a little bit about your, you know, your clients, right? So you, you do trademark work now. Uh, mm -hmm. What does your typical client look like, Shelby? Yeah, so, uh, you know, my clients, uh, so really when I say trademark law, I like to simplify it as brand protection uh, because when we get into the intellectual property world, um, it can get a little sticky. And so I like to say brand protection. And uh, so my my clients are typically business owners or entrepreneurs. Um, they, uh, you know, since I practice trademark law, I represent, I can represent uh, clients that are in any um, state in the, in the United States. So I'm not limited to Wyoming, which is a really nice thing about trademark law. As long as you have one active license and, you know, in one state, then you can uh, practice before the, the USPTO, the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So, um, so my clients are typically, you know, they're businesses who are starting out. They want to check on their branding to make sure that it hasn't been taken by another business or it won't be uh, confusingly similar with another business um, or businesses who have been around for a while and they just want to protect their unique branding. So, you know, their business names, their logos, uh, those are the two most typical things that are trademarked. Um, you can also trademark uh, hashtags, uh, domain names. Uh, uh, you can trademark sounds, for instance, you know, like the MGM Lion Roar or the Darth Vader Deep Breathing. Those are those are both um, trademarked. Uh, and if I did not know that about Darth Vader's Deep Breathing, that it's actually trademarked. That's incredible. Yes, yes, it is. It has to be for, you know, for sound, it's kind of a higher standard. It has to be yeah. pretty clear that it's connected to, uh, you know, to that um, right. franchise. So, and then the other one, you know, at the NBC Chimes, those are also trademarked. So, um, so those are some random things, but, uh, you know, practically um, speaking, like businesses usually want to trademark their, their names. Um, they're, uh, you know, if they have a cool slogan, um, you know, like Nike's just do it, that's trademarked and then their logos. So, uh, so those are, those are the main ones. And then you can also trademark, you know, product names, um, for instance, um, you know, Starbucks, they, they have, they trademarked their coffee blend called the Veranda, the Veranda blend. The, the name of that blend is trademarked. So you can trademark um, 
quite a quite a few different things. It's it's about branding and how you market yourself to your customers. So uh, so it has to be a brand um, that you want protected uh, legally. Yeah, and, and what yeah what do you think drew you towards trademark law? Right, I mean obviously you started in sort of the the family law space, and now you you, you do trademark law now. Um, were there particular aspects of of the field of trademark law that drew you to it? Uh, whether it's the subject matter or whether it's that you get to practice nationally, which must be really nice, actually. Yeah, well, it was actually both. Um, so the subject matter was attractive to me because I kind of switched from, you know, helping people tear their lives apart, you know, divorce, you know, them fighting over who gets the KitchenAid mixer, that kind of thing, to helping people build something new. and. Um, it, you know, it's just really cool to be a part of someone else's vision and, and help them, you know, reach their goals of having a successful business. And a really important part of that is brand protect protection, because if you don't make sure, you know, that your brand is good to go, you could be stopped before you even get started. So, um, I just really liked the idea of helping businesses get going and, you know, kind of reach their their goals versus, you know, uh, tearing apart um, families and relationships. Yeah, no, look, I mean, it, it makes it makes a ton of sense, right? Um, to be a part of building something up is is got to be tremendously, you know, rewarding as an attorney. Uh, and then to see probably see those companies, you know, continue on and grow and see them out in the wild, uh, if you will, after working with them, you know, in the early parts of the business life cycle. Yeah. Um, they, what do you think has been challenging uh, uh, with working with the, the trademark clientele that you work with currently? Is anything that you found more challenging than, uh, than, than others? Uh, so one particular challenge I would say is when a business owner comes to me and they're so attached to their brand uh, that when I, you know, if I have to give them bad news, they won't let it go. And there's that, you know, so the message there is do not get too attached to your brand before you check to make sure that you can actually use it. So that's one issue. You know, I'll be like, this is a high risk mark. You probably should not apply for this. You know, it's, uh, your discretion as as the client. I'm just here to provide advice, but I would highly recommend it that you don't. And you would be surprised how many times I give that advice when they decide to file it anyways. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's kind of like an emotional attachment behind the creation of your brand, which I totally get. But um, you're going to spend, you know, thousands of dollars on the process and not even be able to use, use that brand. So that's why you have to check on it very, very early in the process. So the toughest part for me is when businesses are so far into it, um, that, you know, they've already set up their, they, and they formed their business. They've already created their website, all their logos, they're committed. It's, you know, it's up everywhere. But really the time to check it was back in the when you were forming your business uh, before you get into marketing and putting your website up. And so 
I think that's my, uh, the biggest challenge is really the educational part of trademarks, why it's important and, and when it needs to be done. Um, it's really hard to uh, kind of put it into terms that business owners will, uh, will understand. And, and so um, my whole goal is education and trying to get the message to businesses, you know, of all sizes. You know, trademarks aren't just for big businesses. They're for small businesses. They're for solos. Um, you know, I just, I just applied for my own trademark myself. My slogan for my firm is protect your brand unicorn. And I just, I submitted that application not too long ago. So it's, it's for everyone. You know, if you're planning to do business across state lines, then you need to consider a federal trademark. And so, um, Really, education, I suppose, is the biggest challenge for trademarks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny hearing you describe that because I, I I think I felt both sides of that pain, right? As an attorney, where you uh you know give someone an advice and that's that, as far as you can go, right? Then it's their decision to take what they yeah. will with that advice, and maybe they listen to you, maybe they don't. Um, but on the other side of that, I mean, even even just our company, you know, picking our name, evident. Um, you know, like you said, you, you go through the process, right? You try to find a domain name that's available, which is very hard to find these days. Um, and then you go through a whole bunch of potential names for your company and you find out that, you know, there's 10 other companies that use the same name or, you know, it's really hard to, to get a trademark on it. You know, it reminds me of sort of, you know, the way we went through kind of the naming process for our own company, which, which actually literally started with going through every word in the thesaurus, trying to figure out what would be a good name for, for our company and what we want to do. But then, then figuring out that like our list of 10, like eight of those names, either you couldn't get the domain or you couldn't get a trademark. So it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a long slog. <laughs> yeah. And one thing to note there is just because the domain name is available, doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to be okay <laughs> right. with your right. branding. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what happens a lot of the time is, or I guess what I wish would happen is that businesses would come to me with a list of potential names and then I would check each one of them. But really what happens now is they come to me with one name that they're, you know, super set on and uh, I do the search and um, they'll either go ahead and, and apply for it or I'll just be like, whatever, I'm still going to use it. I don't care what you say, which, okay, I, I warned you. But uh, but that's just the main thing. I think um, getting people to take it seriously, but when they do receive a cease and desist letter, a scary cease and desist letter telling them, you know, stop using this brand or we're going to take you to court, then... That's when it becomes real. And I, um, I think, in, you know, in that in between, they're like, we're fine. You know, this is fine. You know, the building's on fire and we're still working, but it's fine. <laughs> so, um, and it can happen to, you know, any size business. And, um, I won't name the name, but there is a marketing company in Wyoming and specifically, uh, people in Wyoming think, you know, I'm in Wyoming. Nobody's going to find me here, but the world is getting smaller and smaller and the internet, you can't hide. So this marketing firm who, you know, spends its 
time marketing, you know, putting other people's brands out there. They got a cease and desist letter because they failed to check on their branding before picking a business name, which is pretty embarrassing for a marketing firm. Um, it's a tough look, uh, yeah. So, um, so, so, you know, when you see um, like a brand, uh, you know, a rebrand launch and their name is completely new, then it's likely they got a scary letter telling them they need to change it. Whereas, you know, sometimes they do like a brand refresh where their logo is like more modern and um, more up to date. And, and so that's decisions they're making on their own. But if they've completely changed their name and their fame owner's different name, it's likely they got into some kind of legal trouble there. <laughs> and you do see that like quite frequently, right? You know, oh, we are, not, you know, so-and-so is now called, you know, whatever the new name is, right? You know, we're a new yeah. brand, a new, we're turning a new corner in the business, but maybe it's actually behind, behind the scenes, just a, a trademark issue. I, um, you know, I, it was, it oh, was yeah. a, it was a nice day when we got our, our trademark approval in the mail for our company name, because it yeah. took quite some time. And like you said, while you're waiting for it, you, you're just sort of hoping and praying that it does come through and you haven't like kind of gone down the route, uh, or the yeah. wrong route where you actually get that approval. Um, you do all the work and up he- front. As much yeah, as you, you can, right? But you don't, yeah, exactly. You have to wait, wait a long time. You have to wait a long time. Yeah, right yeah. now, um, it's taking like 10 to 12 months for applications to be processed. So, uh, so yeah, so anyone out there, if you're thinking about applying for a trademark, do it now because you have to wait a long time. Yeah, do it early in the process and do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I- I'd love to ask you, right? So I, you know, obviously... You know, you're working with, with businesses, helping them protect their brands. Um, you've got some education you have to do to make sure folks kind of understand how important it is and the timing of it. it you know, when you're working with clients, you know, what, what does success look like to you uh, when you're working with a client? So, um, success to me looks like, uh, you know, they get a registered trademark. Um, so, you know, whether they have to make adjustments with their branding, their branding, uh, really my goal, I, you know, I want all of my clients to be successful. So uh, success looks like having a registered trademark and then, of, uh, you know, of course, uh, maintaining it uh, throughout time. Uh, so, uh, so to me, and then also, um, Success also looks like a good um, kind of attorney-client relationship. I like them to to my clients to know that you know they can they can email me and call me and I will get back to them. One of the most like frustrating things I hear, I think this happens a lot. You know, is you, you just get busy, but um, but you know attorneys aren't responding to their clients, and you need to respond uh, whether it's a just acknowledging you receive the message like, hey, you know, I see your, I see your email. You know, I'm in the middle of this thing right now. Uh, give me a few days. Um, I'll, you know, and then I'll respond back to you. Or, you know, have your um, legal assistant or your secretary just call back and say, hey, um, you know, she's not available today, but we can get you on the schedule. I just think um, the less responsive you are, the less that they kind of trust that you're on top of what they're doing. 
And, you know, you don't have to know the answer to all their questions that they ask in the email because, you know, everyone's gotten that email from a client that has like a list of, you know, 20 questions. And you're like, oh, my gosh, where do I even start with this? But where you start is, first of all, letting them know that you saw the message. Um, You know, you're you're not superhuman and you can't you know, answer all those questions in in the 10 minutes of free time you have. So just tell them, hey, I got your message. I'll get back to you. And so um, one thing with my firm is, um, you know, I work on a flat fee basis instead of uh, retainers. And I always tell my clients, you know, email me, call me, I'll get back to you. I pride myself on being available to my clients, especially for this subject matter, which um, can get, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, tricky. And so I want them to feel like, um, you know, they can trust me, uh, to handle their case. And, you know, it's a two-way street because I expect them to be responsive as well if I have questions for them. And so you kind of have to build that trust by being responsive, also providing answers that are, uh, in human terms instead of so legally that, you know, it didn't really answer their question at all. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what, uh, you know, I'm trying to, um, I guess, uh, get the human side of it, uh, of yeah. practicing law. So they, they need to see, you know, lawyers are humans too. And, uh, we, you know, we our jobs are stressful, yes, but but we have we have and we should have time for all of our clients. Otherwise, you shouldn't be accepting those cases. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I I love that. I mean, I think you know you boil it down to some things that like they sound simple in practice, but they they go such a long way, right? I mean, number one, just just responding to people, whether it's we call it sort of like the holding response, even if it's just yeah. like you said, just a Hey, I got your message. I'm really tied up right now. I'll get back to you later today or tomorrow. But the, I got your message. It goes miles for somebody who is on the other side of that message, right? The client who's on the other side of that. You know, one of the things yeah. like we try to do with our product is help folks kind of automate as much of that as they can and sort of take that, you know, get back that time. But the other side of what you mentioned, right? Plain English also, right? As lawyers, you know, we're kind of trained to get into the legalese, get into the rules and the nitty gritty of, you know, issue spotting where, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, the client just wants a very clear, plain English answer to the extent there is one. Um, yeah. And though they, they sound like simple things, but they're actually not, they're not easy to do. Like you said, because you're busy and, you know, time is precious and there's lots of different stressors going on between work and otherwise. And so, you know, it's not always easy to do, but going that extra mile uh, even just those simple things, you know, we have certainly found working with folks and through our own work, it just goes so far. Yeah. Yeah. Really this communication, like, you know, if you're not going to get back to them in the time frame you originally said, just tell them, don't let days pass without, you know, anything at all. Um, because then that's when they start reaching out to other attorneys and you lose the client. Yeah, I think it's like typically on the other side of somebody who is um, coming to an attorney for legal help, right? Their legal issue is one of the major issues in their life at that time, right? 
whether it's they yeah. need a trademark for their baby, right? Their business, which is their baby, um, or whether it's, you know, a family law issue or a criminal defense issue, whatever it may be. Typically, when a client is reaching out to a lawyer, it's a very, like a very important issue for them. Um, and as yeah. you say, I mean, just, just maintaining that you know, responsiveness and communication uh, goes so far. Um, yeah. So look, I, I, I'd love to maybe kind of shift a little bit to, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of you opening up your own firm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, I think a lot of folks listening uh, are either maybe in the process of doing that or they're thinking about doing it. Uh, how did you do it? How did you get started? Right? Did you open up a bank account? Did you, you know, um, register with a bar? Like, how did you actually get it done? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the first thing I did was I uh, formed my LLC because in order to open your bank accounts, you have to have an uh, EIN number, which so it went LLC formation, get my tax ID from the IRS. And then that's when you have the two things you need uh, to go open bank accounts because they require your um, articles of, uh, you know, corporation or uh, or whatever, whatever type of business you form. And then um, also your EIN number, your tax ID number to open bank accounts. And so, um, so I went LLC, got my EIN number, then I opened my, you know, two bank accounts. You have to have two as a lawyer, your, uh, you know, your trust account, um, and then your regular business, um, you know, checking account. So you have to have the two and, um, at least in my state, we have a list of banks that are approved to have attorney accounts. So, you know, depending on whatever state you're in, you might want to check your bar website and see if they have a list like that because you want to make sure that you're um, in a trusted institution. So, so then um, after that, I, you know, you have to have a way to, uh, well, you have to get your legal malpractice insurance. You don't want to take any cases until you get your legal malpractice insurance. Um, so that was what I did next. I got my legal malpractice insurance. And then after you have that, um, you know, you want to have a way for clients to pay you. And so I set up a law pay account so that, you know, people can pay me my credit card, um, you know, uh, each check. And, uh, and so then, um, you know, once you have those, those main things, um, you know, your bank accounts, your LLC is formed or, you know, whatever type of business you decide is right for you, um, once and a way for them to pay you, then you can start, um, accepting clients. Of course, you know, you'll want to set up a website so people can find you and, uh, you know, people like to see a website, uh, you know, a website that has a picture of you, you know, uh, your face and kind of see your background. A lot of people, I mean, even I do it. If I'm, you know, I'm thinking about hiring somebody for something, then I go look at their website. That's the first, you know, one of the first things people do. And so I think it, it kind of creates trust too, if you have a website. And, um, you know, then one thing I also did was since I do remote um, consultation, 
I got a scheduling software called Calendly. And so it's really easy. Instead of going back and forth like, hey, does Monday at 9 a.m. work for you? No, it doesn't. Okay, what about Tuesday? Like a lot. So it kind of eliminates that back and forth. And the uh, potential new client can see your schedule, what's available for you and pick a time instead of having to waste time being like, does this right. work for you? No, no, that doesn't <laughs> either. Okay, great. So um, so that was kind of uh, the progression of things. And this was, a, uh, you know, nobody, this was a, anything anyone told me. I just kind of figured it out <laughs> as I went. Um, you know, there really should be kind of like a handbook or something like, right. uh, this is what you should do first, like in this order, but there's not, um, I even, I even checked, I even Googled for such a thing, did not find it. Wow. Um, yeah. So I also think it depends a lot maybe on, um, the state you're in, uh, possibly, but, uh, so then um, after you get all that set up, you have to start marketing yourself. Um, you know, you have to you have to say yes to whatever you can, you know, you know, get your face, get your social media accounts up, you know, start going to, you know, if you have kind of business after hours things in your community where you can go kind of mix and mingle with other business owners you know, do that, go to conferences, meet people. Um, you know, one thing for me is, you know, I switched to the, to a different practice area. And when I went to my recent um, state bar conference, a lot of the attorneys that I knew didn't even know that I had switched to a different area of law. And so you think you think people know, you know, you announce it on social media. You think, you know, uh, it changed my practice areas on the bar website. You think people know, but they are so busy in their own lives that they don't know unless you tell them. So, um, so you just have to keep, um, you know, write that, write that article, you know, post that social media uh, post. And I think, um, and we talk about this a lot in my, my coaching group that I'm in, um, people are, especially lawyers, are afraid to put themselves out there for the fear of not being perfect. And uh, the truth is people, people like it when their attorneys aren't, you know, super perfect. They like to see that you're human. So you show up as you are. Um, you're you're going to attract the clients who connect with you and are meant for you. If somebody is turned off by your authentic self, then, you know, it wasn't meant to be and they'll go find an attorney that works best for them. So um, just showing up authentically in all that you do, you know, don't try to be somebody else. Uh, you know, you were put on this planet to be you and to do things your way, not somebody else's way. Yeah, I mean, it's such an amazing way of looking at it too, right? I mean, you, you really want to, obviously you want to attract clients, but you want to attract your ideal clients and and the clients yes. that are going to be ideal for you are ones who like you and and understand you and want to work with you and, and your authentic self. I and mean, I love that that viewpoint. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, it was interesting to hear you kind of, uh, you know, go through the steps of starting, you know, your own firm and, you know, while it sounded, you know, relatively, I think tedious in terms of all the boxes you need to check before you can kind of go out there, it, it doesn't sound like it takes a whole lot in terms of like startup capital and money to, to actually get it off the ground. Um, you know, obviously you've got to think about marketing and things like that, but actually like launching your own firm, you know, you can do it. It sounds, you know, relatively quickly. Um, provided you go through through all the steps, but then the next thing, once you do that, obviously, as you mentioned, is where do you find your first couple of clients? Um, and for you, was it through uh, meetups or events that you described? I mean, how did you find your first couple of clients? Yeah. So, um, well, going back to what you said, you know, if you are going to have a remote law firm where you don't have to have a brick and mortar office, um. And, you know, it's an area of practice, a, a transactional area that does, I mean, even, even if you're not transactional, you can do remote work. But uh, yeah, if you're planning to be work from home, it's, it is uh, relatively quick to get things um, set up. It probably takes a couple weeks, um, you know, to get everything, depending on how responsive all your, uh, your people are, you know, like your legal practice insurance and all of that, once you have everything um, you know, all your ducks in a row, then you're, you know, I would say it, it took me probably two weeks, um, to get everything ready to go. So, um, so anyways, uh, going back to your, your other question, my first client, um, so my very first client was my brother actually. And there's no shame in having a family member as your first client. Okay. First of all, it gives you a practice and your family member is not going to be as harsh on you if you make like little mistakes. You know, you're still figuring things out. So my very first client was actually my brother. <laughs> and um, I found his trademark and his logo is now trademarked. So I did it. My yes, very first case was successful. Okay. So then uh, my second, um, my second one uh, clients that I got were from a uh a presentation or a webinar that i did on um trademarks for small businesses uh through um our local uh here in laramie we have an entrepreneur like incubator and so i gave a presentation um about you know what is a trademark why you need it you know small businesses need it too sort of thing and then I actually had a few people reach out to me after that presentation. And so, um, so, you know, even when the world was relatively shut down at that point, I was still able to reach people through this webinar. And, uh, so that, that was really, uh, a really good way for me to kind of get things going. And then, you know, if you do a good job, then they'll refer you to other people. And so, um, so that webinar, you know, it's even on my, um, my website right now. Um, you can watch it <laughs> if you feel so inclined, but, um, it's just really, um, you know, it's kind of basic about, about trademarks. Um, you don't, you know, you don't need to get too legally with it and, and then people are, you know, some people haven't even thought about it. Uh, you know, whatever your area of practice may be, they may not have even thought that they need it. 
And they see this and they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to call Shelby now. So, um, so, you know, just saying yes to that kind of thing. And, you know, it was, um, you know, before I did that webinar, I was extremely nervous and, you know, I had the whole, oh, what if they think I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm talking about, but, um, but nobody, you know, nobody is going to think that. And if they do, but, you know, those clients aren't going to be worth your time. And so just do the best you can show up and you'll find, you'll find clients. Is that something you like you keep doing today? I mean, is our webinar is a big part of, you know, how you sort of find and meet new clients. I mean, because it's interesting because obviously trademark is a national practice, right? So and on the one hand, your potential client pool is massive, right? It's it's a big ocean to fish in. Um, but on the other hand, sort of one of the quickest ways to to find new clients is is local, right? So mm-hmm. local meetups like you just mentioned and webinars. You know, how do you yeah. go about acquiring clients and, and marketing today? Yeah, so I will say the large majority of my clients now were referred to me by business attorneys that do not practice trademark law. Uh, so, you know, they uh, a client will ask them about a trademark and they'll be like, you know, I don't do trademarks, but I know someone who does. And so they'll refer they'll refer that client to me. And so that's where a lot of my referrals come from is from other attorneys who don't do trademark law. And in Wyoming, <laughs> there's only like two other attorneys maybe that do it. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> pardon me, I would say the large majority of my clients right now, I guess, are um, are in Wyoming. But I do have, um, you know, I'd say 30, 30% of my clients are out of state. And they picked me because they have their LLC in Wyoming um, or they like Wyoming. Um, but I mean, just because your business is formed in Wyoming doesn't mean you need a Wyoming trademark lawyer. I just want to say that now. But but a lot of clients don't know that. So um, for those of you that are listening, uh, you don't have to pick a trademark lawyer that's in the state where you have your, your business formed unless it's a state trademark issue. Um, so, uh, so that, you know, other people just really like Wyoming and, uh, and, uh, for whatever reason, you know, maybe they had a trip to Jackson Hole like five years ago and they, they just love Wyoming. And so they <laughs> reach out to me and they, you know, uh, they just, uh, like Wyoming people. And so they want me to handle their trademark matter. So, um, definitely largely referrals you have to you have to kind of build a network um with other attorneys um that don't do trademark law uh and you know say like hey you know i do trademark law now um i've met a couple you know local attorneys for uh for coffee to talk to them about you know what i do now and then also ask them advice about practice, you know, just general practice tips. Um, you know, I think it's always worth your time to meet with a, an attorney who's been doing it a little longer than you, um, regardless of practice area, just because you learn, you learn something that will help you out um, every time. You know, maybe there's this local group you need to join and they tell you about it. Maybe there's this 
event coming up and they, uh, you know, it's a really good networking event, but you didn't know about it until you had coffee or, you know, you made this phone call to this other attorney. So, you know, do not fear picking up the phone and calling other attorneys. And, um, you know, especially in, in Wyoming, we're such a small state bar. We're um, really good about helping each other. But also, specifically in my trademark attorney network, um, trademark attorneys, even though, you know, we're, you know, we're all kind of nationwide, um, you know, in the nationwide practice area, uh, because of that, there are just um, so many clients that we're not really in competition with each other. And so I'm in this Facebook group of trademark attorneys, and we are super helpful with each other. If you have like a question, um, someone will answer it, or they'll be like, you know, here's my phone number, call me and ask me. Here's my email address, you know, I'll just let me know what you need. And so my trademark um, community um, is, is really helpful. And I feel like that's also hard to find in some practice areas. Uh, especially when you're limited to a state because you're kind of competing with other people, but it's not like that in trademarks. So um, the competitiveness kind of falls away because, you know, there's enough for everybody. It's a more of a, you know, it's an abundance situation instead of scarcity. So because of that, everyone's really open and free to help you out if they can. Yeah. That's amazing. Like you said, I think it probably varies by uh, practice area, right? I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think with that, there's millions of businesses that are started every year. And so you've got like a new crop of potential clients every year that come through, you know, nationwide looking for, for trademark services. And so, um, you know, it sounds like you found sort of a, a, a very solid support group within the trademark um, part of the legal field, which is amazing to hear. You know, obviously you do work with, um, businesses, entrepreneurs, startups, uh, you know, you're a business owner and an entrepreneur yourself running your own firm. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do you think has been the most rewarding part of that for you on, on the business side of things? So for me, it's just been um, seeing that I am able to, I, you know, I look back, you know, there are some days where I feel like, man, you know, I haven't really made much progress. This is frustrating. But if you look back at, you know, if I looked back at where I was a year ago, I'm like, wow, I really have built this practice. And, you know, it, it does take time. And I think it does depend on the practice area. But, you know, it takes time for people to know who you are and know your practice area and know that, you know, you're the person to go to for this kind of area of law. But um, to me, it's just so rewarding to see, you know, the effort that I've been putting in every day is paying off and I'm doing work that I really enjoy instead of, you know, work that I dread. No offense to the family law attorneys out there. We need you. You're great. But, uh, but I cannot, um, you know, I couldn't handle that bad practice area. And so I'm able to do what I love every day with a flexible schedule and um it's just noticing how much happier i i i am and how much progress 
I've made since I started this business to me is uh, very rewarding. Yeah. How about the flip side of that, right? Like as you know, running a business myself, right? There's obviously rewards to it, but there's challenges that come along the way. Um, yeah. You know, for, for folks who are are sort of thinking about going on the same path, I mean, what have, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you to date? Yeah. Well, I mean, the success of your business depends on you. Yeah. If you're the, if the buck stops with you, you know, it's your business, you're responsible for it. So there can be, you know, stress relate, you know, around running your business. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, there's definitely been nights where I, you know, I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, did I do that one thing? Um, you know, did I do that? Or, oh no, I still need to do this. Um, you know, just always thinking, um, you know, you can't really leave work with when you have your own business. Although I do um, try to set boundaries for myself. So, you know, after 5.30 or 6 every day, um, I don't check my emails anymore. Um, that should be, does, that's just because I need time to recharge and be my, you know, uh, my batteries so that I can show up the next day and be my best self for my client. So I will say, you know, that's not usually an issue. Trademark law, there's not really, you know, trademark emergencies per se. Um, this might be kind of harder to do as, um, you know, as, you know, uh, for an area of practice that's more demanding. But um, when you have, you know, a transactional practice, um, you know, and if you have to set these expectations with your clients, if you start responding to emails at like 9 p.m., they're going to think that you'll be you're going to be available at 9 p.m. every day. So you have to kind of convey those boundaries to your clients and live by them, because if you break the boundary, then they're going to take advantage of it later. So. Uh, not because they're, you know, a bad person. They, you know, they just want to question and answer and they're, they're going to think, oh, she answered my email at 9 p.m., you know, two weeks ago. So she'll probably answer it now at 9 p.m. But so you kind of want to, um, you know, create boundaries that um, allow you to, you know, run your business, um, but also have time for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you said earlier, right? Like clear communication, um, setting the ground rules essentially for for working together. I think, you know, m most people understand that, right? That you're trying to have a life and run a business just like they are trying to have a life and, and run a business. Um, and, and setting those those ground rules are are, are so key early on. Um, you know, what what do what do the next sort of two to three years look like for you, Shelby? I mean, what what are the things that you know, you're working on goal-wise or maybe are, maybe there are sort of some hair-on-fire problems that you want to solve for yourself or your business in the next couple of years. You know, what, what, does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, one of my goals is to eventually, so right now I have a virtual receptionist that answers my business phone and schedules um, schedules consultations and, you know, they answer the business phones for me because as an attorney, you shouldn't really be answering your own, your own phone, your own business phone. 
Um, it's kind of like when you call the doctor's office, you don't get the doctor on the other side. <laughs> you, you know, you need to have somebody in between you and your your clients or patients. So, uh, but eventually, I would like to increase my delegation. Uh, delegation have a virtual assistant that does a lot of the administrative um, side of things. So, you know, I'm not having to do, um, you know, um, you know, answer uh, every, every little email question. If it's not legal, you know, then I don't need to answer it. Um, or, you know, them just handling the day-to-day things that don't require my legal skills. Um, and so that they can take care of so that, uh, so that basically, um, I don't have to work as many hours a week, but I'm still making good money because someone else is tackling the tiny little fire. So, uh, so that's my goal, you know, right now for my firm, you know, it's so new, um, I'm still building it up. I'm not quite there yet, but, um, you know, maybe in the next year or so I will be there. But uh, delegation, um, you know, will be a huge thing that I plan to implement in the future so that, you know, the only things that I'm doing are, you know, my consultations and then, you know, the legal part of things, um, reviewing search reports, uh, submitting applications. Um, So just kind of so that the administrative part of side of things is delegated to somebody else who can um, handle it and has been trained to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great unlock, like you say, to your, towards your time and being able to do the things that you love to, to focus on doing to the extent you can delegate a lot of those things. Um, it's a, it's a great goal. Well, look, you know, it's, it's been great hearing about sort of, you know, your journey to date. Um, you know, I know you're, you're, you're early on in your journey. Uh, you started in 2021. These, I've talked to some folks who have started around the same time and it feels like there needs, we need to plan like a follow-up session too, uh, in like three year, four years down the road and catch up and see where Shelby is, uh, at that point <laughs> in time. But, yeah. you know, it's been great hearing about sort of, again, your journey, the work you do, how you approach it, how meaningful it is to you and, and your clients who are you know, trying to get their business off the ground and the role you play early on in the, de- the development of their company. Um, and then hear, you know, hearing about the business side, right? I mean, you shared some great insights and just details with us on how you actually get a firm off the ground and how you think about acquiring clients and, and moving forward. So, you know, it's been, it's been great chatting with you today. Yeah, thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. Yeah, that'll look great. And, you know, we always like to sort of end with with one or two questions um, that we tend to ask everybody. The first one is, do you have a favorite movie? Um, so I don't have like an all-time favorite, but I, one of my favorites is Miss Congeniality. I love Sandra Bullock. Um, I also really like Zoolander um, okay. just because there's like the dumbest jokes, but um, but I love it so much. It's just cheesy and, and funny. Some people think it's stupid, but I quite enjoy it. So those are probably my top two movies. Yeah. Zoolander, I can definitely get behind. That is an instant classic. Um, yes. so last question, you know, if, if folks could remember, um, you know, one thing about you and your firm, uh, what would you want that to be? 
So the one thing I'd want people to remember is, um, you know, the slogan that I have is protect your brand unicorn and your brand unicorn uh, is your unique brand. And once you find it, uh, you need to protect it uh, with a trademark. And so protect your brand unicorn by reaching out to a trademark attorney. Doesn't have to be me, but just make sure that your unique branding is protected uh, so that your business can be as successful as possible. Great. And, and look, I mean, where can folks find you, right? If people do want to reach out to you specifically, where's the best place to, to find you these days? Yeah, so my um, my website is he'slegal307.com. Um, I have social media um, on Instagram and uh, TikTok and Facebook. I'm at, it's at Shelby Trademark Lawyer, or Shelby Trademark Lawyer, um, YO, or YO Trademark Lawyer. Um, so you'll, you can find me on social media. Uh, as well. Um, I'm still growing in, in the TikTok area, but there are SEO informational videos on there. But uh, yeah, or you can um, give my office a call. You'll find that on my website and uh, we'll get you set up for a consultation. Great. All right. Well, Shelby, thanks again so much. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been fun being here and I hope that uh, this will help some of the aspiring uh, attorneys out there who want to go out on their own. Um, it might seem scary, but you can do it. You know, if I did it, you can do it. it you know, if, if someone else has done it, you can definitely do it. So don't doubt your ability. You made it through law school. You passed the bar exam. You're here now and you can do hard things. And uh, don't be afraid to tackle the challenge. I love it. It's a perfect place to leave it. Thanks so much, Shelby. Yeah, thank you so much.